All right, so I gotta get some water. Good morning. Hi, guys. I'm Emily Kinney, and welcome back to my caffeine withdrawal. To prepare for today's episode, I made a little pour over with the Blue Bottle Holiday Blend. This is not an ad. I'm just letting you know what woke me up and got me out of bed today. I'm always such a sucker for the seasonal item. You know, the one that you can only get during the holidays. So if there are some seasonal coffees you guys love, will you send me a message on social media? I will definitely try your coffee recommendations. Once it gets a certain amount hot, it does make a really nice sound, so I'll... Now, the other thing that got me out of bed today, a really fun Zoom call with Emma Bell. All of you fans listening know Emma Bell is Amy from The Walking Dead, of course, but also from shows like Dallas and Final Destination, among many other projects. Now, I never actually worked with Emma Bell on Walking Dead, but working on that show, even at different times, is such a bonding experience. Emma and I would often say hello and chat a bit at comic book conventions, and I quickly became such a fan of her and her spirit. I started following her on Instagram and loved seeing her perspective by way of social media on being an actress in L.A. I also knew from a bit of my social media stalking that she was very into coffee. I was so psyched when she agreed to be on the show and... She's also a new mom, so I even got to check out her cute new little baby, Pfeiffer, only one month old, on Zoom as she made her morning coffee. That is so good. Love, Taylor. Such good coffee. A new mom. I, I know. I was like, oh, I wonder if we'll see her baby on the <laughs> Oh, yeah. You'll, you'll see the baby. Here she is. I don't even know why, like, you popped into my brain, but I was like, I knew that you liked coffee, I think, from your Instagram. Yeah. And <laughs> also, I just, I remembered certain posts about, like, your journey as an actor, like, sort of dealing with downtime and stuff. And I was like, oh, my God, I just feel like you would be, like, perfect for this. It was such a nice text to get. I was like, firstly, Emily, how are you? I mean, I it's been so long since, I mean, I've seen pretty much anybody because of COVID, but I feel like the last time we saw each other must've been a few years ago at um, a convention or something, right? Yeah, I was trying to place it. And I think the last time I chatted with you was like in an airport in like Florida or something. I mean, maybe yeah. we've like a little something over social media or something but I mean as far as like actually saw you in person in person yeah, yeah yeah and I do I love coffee I can't wait to show you my all my friends and family make fun of my husband and I because we have like this whole setup that we do and we actually even bring it with us when we go visit people because we just don't trust other people's tastes I totally hear that <laughs> I've definitely been in situations where I've been like how did you guys make your coffee this morning because <laughs> yeah exactly could I offer some some ideas <laughs> yeah I'm like is there a coffee shop nearby yeah perhaps <laughs> okay so I see your verve coffee which I'm a big fan of verve so do you want to go through like what you did this morning or what your favorite way to make coffee is or yeah well I actually haven't been able to do it yet because I was 
feeding this one. So I would, yeah. thought I could just do it while we're, while we're on the phone. Yeah. So right now, I mean, we love Verve is like, a, I mean, it's more expensive than like a Pete's or something like that, but it's firstly worth the extra cash. I think if you have it um, and it's not going to break the bank, it's like 15 bucks a bag or something like that. I'd never tried this flavor Juan Benitez, but it's really delicious. I'm more of like a, a medium roast person. I really like Ethiopian beans and um, beans that have more of kind of like a light acidic kind of taste to them than, than like dark roasted beans. Yeah. So I just drink it black. Sometimes like French roast can be like a little bit too dark for me. So that's what we're uh, drinking today. Mm-hmm. I was always a coffee snob in terms of like the coffee that I liked, especially moving to Los Angeles because I feel like there's so many amazing coffee places here. But my husband is really into like precise measurements of things, which I never was. I was just like, throw it in the grinder, French press or whatever. So we use a scale. That looks like a very nice one. This was a Christmas present because I love rose gold. So last year it was one of my presents. So we use a scale and we usually do, I don't know how like nerdy you want me to get, but I can like be very specific. Yeah, like I I love it. Okay. <laughs> Some people are just like, well, I go to this coffee shop, and then, but this is great. This is perfect. No, this is like, this is like our home. This is why I haven't had a chance to do, ever since being a mom, I'm finding it very hard to do this particular uh, ritual because it takes like a solid 15 extra minutes. So we usually measure out 40 grams of the beans and then we do 800 grams of water to 40 grams of bean. And that seems to be like a really good ratio for us. And then we have our little uh, carafe here the Chemex. Mm-hmm. Really love the Chemex. And then uh, in theme, I've got a rose gold filter that's reusable, rewashable, that's better great. for the planet. And so here we go, putting in the beans. Nice. And then we uh, set the water and that's my morning ritual. Oh, nice. And you got to, you got to bloom it. Oh yes. You know, just a little bit of water. Do you time it or you just look and watch? And I kind of look and watch. Okay, cool. Yeah, I know some people time it. I, I'm more do the of like 30 a, seconds. A, is that what you do? 30 seconds? Well, I just, I was a little more of like you were like with the eyeballing it and stuff. And then during quarantine, I've gotten more into some of these like YouTube coffee videos. So now I'm like, <laughs> it must bloom for 30 seconds. And then. Right, exactly. You're like, I got a scale that has a little under. timer. And so now I do time Ooh. it. But some mornings I'm like, so like, it's fine and I won't time it you know like I'll just that's amazing but I didn't know there were scales with timers and I feel like this might be a really good Christmas gift for my husband because he <laughs> loves that I you know I usually just wait till it goes through which I'm assuming must be around 30 seconds yeah it's usually around 30 if you're just yeah yeah it's good yeah and then I like to warm up I like to pour some hot water into my cup smart like they do at the fancy places to keep your cup warm because if you're like me I like my coffee really hot yeah I do too um, some people say it's like magma, but whatever. I like it really hot. Either I like it hot or I like it ice cold. I don't mm-hmm. like this like tempered room temperature coffee situation. So that's kind of the ritual for us here. Oh, that's great. Now yeah. that you have the baby, so you have to wait to yeah. drink coffee, right? Because you probably have to feed the baby and take. Yes. What time are you getting up these days now that you have? Oh, man. A baby. It, cha- it changes because newborns are very. Um, malleable they change a lot but yeah she's one month today which is crazy and she's just starting to become way more alert yeah um which is really fun so now she's not just like sleeping eating pooping you know now she's like sleeping eating pooping and then she looks at you and you're like oh hi 
yeah, yeah. you're a real person and I'm a real person. Yeah, that's cute. <laughs> like starting to sort of like rec- like actually see her environment in a certain way. Yeah, exactly. And you're like, oh, that's so cool. Wow. My little sister just had a baby during this whole Corona apocalypse as well. And so I haven't gotten to hold her or anything, but she's been showing. She's a few months older. I think she's like three months now. But she will look at me on FaceTime and like if I stick out my tongue, like she starts trying to like stick out her tongue. Get out, And like really? it is cr- like she's actually like really seeing things and like reacting. And if my sister's on the phone with me, she'll start going nam, 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 like talking too, you know? Oh, that's so cute. <laughs> it's amazing. It's such a weird feeling because you want – I want that stage. Like I want her to be able to like communicate in more ways than just crying. And I want her to like – be able to walk around or to use the bouncy chair or whatever. But then that also means that they'll never be like newborn again. You know what I mean? So it's like this weird thing because you want them to grow up because to be honest, having a newborn is quite difficult as everyone says um, in a lot of ways, very rewarding also, but it's, it's time consuming and you're just tired all the time. So a part of me is like, Oh, I, I can't wait till she's like on more of a schedule and she's taking longer naps. And like, you know, she can kind of like communicate to me what she needs in a better way than just crying but then I also realized, but that means she'll be like grown up and she'll never be a baby again. You know what I mean? Like it's one yeah. of these weird, these weird things. I'm sure your sister feels the same way. Yeah. It won't go backwards. It'll only change. No. You know, I so know. you have to like enjoy the, the day just as it is, I guess. And then the next day it'll be different. Exactly. Even if it's a really hard day to be like, yeah, but you know what? It was today and that's a good thing. So. Yeah. She's a lawyer. So in some ways it worked out with this weird time because since people are working from home it's like even once she was done with maternity leave she's been able to have a little more time even though she's working which is like a lot to be like working on cases while she's like taking but you know just to have like that extra bit of time that she wouldn't have had with the baby where she would have had to like hand it off and you know yeah I feel like so many people got pregnant during COVID to to be fair we got pregnant right before COVID hit okay it wasn't a plan but I know a lot of people who who like you know just got pregnant in like the first few months of COVID for, you know, very obvious reasons. But I also, I I think that what you just said is, is maybe part of it. It's like, what better time to be like out of society? Cause you kind of have to be out of society a little bit when you're pregnant. And then when you have a baby, then right now, cause like nothing's going on. Yeah. And you can just indulge in the time with your husband and your baby. I mean, exactly. Without having to like, I don't know, turn down a invite or something. It's just right, you know. <laughs> well, and be and being an actress too. Like again, I didn't plan it this way, but it ended up working out well in a sense. Is like there hasn't been a lot of work, yeah, during this time, and so like even being pregnant, there wasn't a lot of work. So I kind of was like, well, this is great because I would have had to take off, you know, some time from auditioning and potentially doing anything. The bigger you get, and then also the first few months of her being alive, so. It's sort of just like, well, nothing's happening anyways. I guess I'll just wait till next spring yeah, to get back into the groove of it all. So hopefully there'll be something going on in the springtime. We'll see. Yeah. You know, I'm curious. I don't know if this is like a bad question to ask or not, but it's just my own. This job requires your body and your time in a certain way. And like, you know, you kind of are at the mercy of like filming schedules and things like that. Is that something that has come into your brain when you've thought about like getting married and having a family or has it just been like, well, I'll just go with the flow? No, it's a really good question. I think it is a really intrinsically like female question because we are the ones that bear the brunt of firstly parenting 
especially when they're when they're new because you know we they need us to literally survive like there's nothing and side note that can be really hard on on a partnership because husbands and dads like as much as they want to be there kind of just they're just not as needed you know they're needed for 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 the moms because we need to be taken care of too but like it's in terms of the baby it's like yeah, it really is. It's so heavily our responsibility. And the same with pregnancy, like men don't have to go through the physical and emotional and mental changes that pregnancy really brings with it. We have like a very long way to go, right? Before yeah. before it feels like pregnant women and new moms are really given the same kind of like respect and opportunities that we should have. I mean, we are bringing the next generation in being an actor, I definitely like thought to myself, like, well, this could take me out of the game for a little while. But to be honest with you, like the last six years have already been such a crazy different six years to the six years prior to that for me personally as an actor. And I think the industry has changed a lot. I think more so than like having a baby and and what that does to an actor in terms of like bringing them in or out of, of work is more like what happens to roles for women at a certain age. That's where I felt the real slowdown. I don't know that, I mean, we'll see what happens moving forward with having a baby, but like I felt a big pause and a big like hurdle getting jobs like many years ago. And and I think it has way more to do with, with women getting to a certain age in this industry versus being moms. You know what I mean? Yeah. I kind of want to go back a little bit. So this season, I am having a couple people from Walking Dead, but they're still the people that I had are still on the show. And it is a mega show because it's like just reaches so many people all over the world. Yeah. Even if you've had other artistic experiences that were just as fulfilling, like it's just it reached. You can't deny like how it's affected people and probably like affected your life and career. And so I kind of want to know and then later I'll go backwards to like when other stuff but I'm curious about um how you dealt with like starting with the show being done like what was that time period like moving forward yeah I mean I will say that like being on The Walking Dead is like the the gift that keeps giving for me to be honest in a lot of ways because um I mean I was only on the first season and it was only six episodes or I was in five of those episodes so it wasn't even that many episodes in the scheme of now what they're like on season or like they just ended season 10 and there's like yeah. a million spinoffs and all that jazz but but it's it's so lovely because people still recognize the work that I put into the show you know what I mean like and and the first season still holds kind of a place in a lot of people's hearts and minds which is like really like really lovely to have been a part of that and yeah I mean immediately following it firstly I did not want to be off the show I mean I'm sure you can attest to this too but like it was such an interesting and wonderfully creative show to be on in a lot of ways and the people were so wonderful and the crew was incredible and I just really loved being on that show I loved I loved that we felt like we were in the trenches you know it was actually hot it was actually sticky it was you know kind of physically demanding and it was emotionally demanding and all those things and that's kind of why I became an actor is to experience things so I did not want to be killed off the show so it was very sad when it was done but yeah I mean from that point moving forward you know you have to remember like the first season wasn't a big hit yet because we had just shot shot it and it hadn't really come out but I remember they took me to comic-con that first year which I thought was really lovely and they, they did that because they knew I was dying off the show and they wanted to like have me be a part of something and so they had invited me to the comic-con that year and that was like the first real glimmer that like oh this is going to be a massive show because it was such a big comic book hit 
that mm. of course comic-con it already had thousands upon thousands of fans i mean i think there was a line to get into our room that first season before we even aired you know and mm-hmm. then they showed the promo trailer and people lost their minds and it was just it was very very cool and i was like oh this is this is awesome this is exactly like it was like the full rounded picture it was like really interesting material a complicated character like good emotional work mixed with and people will see it and people will love it. And I might be able to like do bigger things because of this, you know, it had both of those elements. I did Final Destination 5 right after that. And that was like offered to me, which was my first offer in my life. And that was very cool. And, and then like a year after that, I, I booked Dallas and it was a series regular on Dallas for a couple of years. So yeah, there was definitely like, I feel like there was a momentum that kind of got kicked off with Walking Dead. And then on top of all that, there were all these conventions that was becoming a thing at the time. Conventions are a very interesting part of the experience. And for me, I'm very grateful to them because they kept me financially afloat in certain years where like, you know, like those failed pilot years where maybe like I didn't, you know, have a lot of income. And so therefore, like I could do a convention and conventions have brought me to Germany and even the Middle East. I went to Saudi Arabia last year Yeah. for a convention. So like, you know, there's there's just really cool things that are so specific to having been on that show Mm, that I'm like forever grateful for that experience, you know? Yeah. You saw that change of like also conventions becoming more and more of a thing and like a bigger thing. It is different than other TV shows because you, you get to know the fans almost the way, like if you're a touring musician and you are at the merch table and you like truly get to like talk to the people who are receiving your work. Yeah. Um, which is, it is different from other, before conventions were happening, I guess. Absolutely. Yeah, no, it's, it is very different. And, you know, a lot of times certain fans might go to multiple conventions too. So it is a little bit like being um, a musician. That makes a lot of sense where people kind of follow you around in a sense. Some people like really live for these conventions and it's like what they save their money for and then they get to go and, and meet their favorite actors and meet their favorite characters on TV. And it's, it's a humbling experience to be around people who adore the work that you've done so much you know what I mean um to even just have like a slice of that you know I I definitely wasn't I mean I'm never like people at conventions are always very nice to me and like you know I I do I do fine but like I'm not I'm no Norman Reedus who gets like (laughs) (laughs) like a 10 mile line out the door or whatever but the slice that I'm a part of it's just very humbling yeah yeah I had a similar feeling when I left the show of like this is the job that you dream of where it's like creatively fulfilling you get to really like push yourself as an actor and then also people will see that your work I mean I think you said that so well like it's so fulfilling in that way and few and far between in this industry I don't I feel like to have all of them rolled up into one job is really it's like lightning in a bottle you know it's like it's really hard to replicate um you might have jobs that are that pay you a ton of money but artistically you're like ugh, I hate this or yeah. you know or you like do a really great independent film that you love and you think it's so emotionally like amazing and you love the story <laughs> and then nobody sees it you know right so, to have it all in one go is just such an extraordinary experience yeah so I'm curious about Dallas how was that and after Walking Dead were you were you based in LA mostly or yeah were you okay okay cool I, I'd actually moved to LA previously to Walking Dead I moved when I was around 21 so I think I booked Walking Dead when I was 24 so I'd already been in LA for a few years and okay um yeah where did you grow up I grew up in New Jersey and New York City so okay. I, I was born and raised in New Jersey real rural Jersey like way out near Pennsylvania actually and then 
in high school, I basically made a plea to my parents and were like, I'd already started auditioning and doing things like that. Yeah. I'd done a couple commercials. Yeah, at uh, 12 is when I started getting into performing arts and um, and auditioning. Do you remember like what brought you into that? Was there someone that was like, oh, hey, you might be good for commercials? Or do you remember like how you actually were able to navigate into like, oh, this is... Yeah, you know, for me, I actually wanted to be like a Broadway person. And that started because my mother when I was seven, she was diagnosed with leukemia and she was given uh, like a couple months to live. Oh my God. Yeah. And it was very traumatic for our family. And it was like, obviously like she was very determined to not have that happen because she had a seven-year-old and my brother was four at the time. And so, you know, she did a lot of things to heal herself. But one of the things that she did was realize that she'd always wanted to be a singer, had never given herself the chance. And she thought to herself, like, you know what, I'm just going to take some cabaret singing courses and like sing cabaret and off Broadway, you know, New York City. And I'm just going to do that because it makes me feel good. And I don't know if I'm going to live much longer and I want to start doing what I love. So she started doing that alongside a lot of medication, a lot of different things. So I don't want anyone to think it was just the singing, but (laughs) the singing did help her like look forward to something every day. And so I, at the time being seven, kind of watched this process. And over the the course of a few years, like I would learn the songs with her and it would be very like, you know, cabaret songs, you know, like I've got you under my skin, like stuff like that. And I loved it. Like I loved singing with her and we'd always sing together and at family gatherings or whatever. And then when I was 12, she was like, you know what I think? She started doing cabaret shows like in little theaters off Broadway. And she's like, Emma, would you want to be in a show with me? Would you want to sing a song? And I was like, would I? I would love to do that. So basically she put me in her show and I think I sang like three or four songs. And that was kind of it. I just sort of was like, oh, I see my life is on the stage. That's what I'm supposed to do. And I'm supposed to wear sequins and velvet and I'm supposed to be on the stage and that's what I'm supposed to do. So from like 12 onward, I just kind of really like, I took all the dance classes and singing classes and I took off Broadway classes. And like every summer I'd be in New York city doing something like that. I got a manager. Cause I was like, I need to be, I need to have representation. So I like did a, like a home photo shoot and sent them out. Um, at the time there was this thing called the Ross reports, which they don't have anymore because of like the internet, but it was like, you'd go to like a newspaper stand in New York city, like one of those old timey newspaper stands. And they'd have this booklet, almost like the yellow pages, but it was just for artistic representation Okay. for New York city and Los Angeles. So the first half would be New York and the second half would be Los Angeles. And it would literally just list like agents and managers and their contact information. So my mom and I got that and we went home and we mailed out my like little headshot from our living room to like, I don't know, a hundred managers or something like that. And probably got 98 rejections, but got two yeses, let's, you know, interviews or whatever. And so one of them ended up being my manager and she sort of was like, well, I know you want to sing and dance, but would you also be interested in doing commercial work? Cause you can make a lot of money doing that. And I was like, yeah, okay, sure. So she started me, you know, auditioning in that way. And the first real job I got was an extra position. I was so excited on Days of Our Lives, the soap opera. Nice. (laughs) And funny, funny story. um, Amanda Seyfried was a series regular at the time on Days of Our Lives. And I was like this little extra, you know, and I was in all the high school scenes and I'd kind of like walk past frame or whatever. And one of the ADs like needed someone to say a line and just sort of pointed at me and was like, okay, here's your shot. Like say, you know, you have a line. So I did that a couple of times and was able to get my SAG card that way. And then it kind of just evolved. I think I really enjoyed the process of filming 
And on the music front, I don't know, I just sort of like fell out of love with singing professionally. I loved it so much. And then having to do auditions and stuff for singing, it kind of took the the love of it out for me. Mm. And I was able to sort of like transition into this TV stuff and film stuff. And I never had the same kind of relationship to it as the singing. Being rejected for being a singer really hurt, I guess, Ooh, is, yeah. the, is the bottom line. And being rejected for being an actor, I was like, well, that's fine. It's not my first choice anyway. You know what I mean? Like that was sort of like what my mind was. Oh, saying. yeah. That makes total sense. Also, like if you feel like one path is opening up, you want to follow the path that you feel like is opening up. I feel similar sometimes with music that I get a little more protective. Somehow I'm able to take the rejections that come from auditioning over and over again, but feel slightly protective over my music as like, this is like my friend over here, like making these songs is like a way that I process my stuff. So I don't really need to hear if anybody likes it or not. I certainly am so happy when people do like it. It makes me feel so happy. It's like, I don't want to put that in the position as well. Like acting is kind of, a lot of rejection like I don't want to put that also on the on the blotch off you know I don't want yeah to. <laughs> yeah I completely like I, I feel like I always understood that acting was an industry and a business first yeah and, and I love the artistry of it and that is kind of like the beauty is like you get into this industry and you're able to be artistic but yeah I think like I just from the time I was a little girl I just always wanted to sing and so getting up on stage and having people nitpick or criticize me for my voice or my performance of a song or whatever, I was just, I just wasn't having it. I just was like, no, I don't, I don't, I can't do that. But being in front of a, a camera and having people be like, yeah, no, not you. I was sort of like, okay, whatever. You know, that's gotten increasingly hard. I will say as I've aged with, with acting. I mean, I think now I take, <laughs> weirdly, I was talking to an, a friend of mine, who's also an actress. And I was like, how is it that like, I take rejections from being an, like an actor now way worse than I did 10 years ago. Like 10 years ago, I'd be like, whatever. And now I'm like, why don't you want me, though? Like, I don't understand. No, I totally get it. I I wonder, yeah, if there is something about being a kid and dealing with it that somehow you were able to, like, place it in some place. And then now as you get older, even despite, like, having success and actually getting jobs and doing, you know, really doing it, maybe there's a new kind of pressure. That's, I think, it. Like, when you're just sort of, like new at something and you know it's going to take a while to like get any kind of traction and maybe you've done a couple little things but you know you've got your eye on the prize of like I want to be on in a tv series or I want to be in a movie or I want to be whatever I feel like the rejections you're sort of like great rack them up because I know I need to get like one million rejections before I get a yes and I want to get to that yes and then the minute you start getting yeses you kind of become accustomed to having more yeses. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then you look back, like for me, at least, like I look back and I'm like, I have already been on a TV show and I've already been a series regular and I've already starred in movies big and small. Like how have I not worked in a year? You know what I mean? Like how have I had 100 auditions in the last couple months and I've not booked any of them? That doesn't make any friggin' sense. Like you'd think that I've already booked so much behind me and I have such a resume that I should be able to it shouldn't still be so hard, you know, yeah. to just get in the door. But unfortunately, it's like a part of the a process. And and then I also have my own thoughts about that in terms of being a woman. But um, right. but yeah, I think that's why. I think it's like you're you're sort of like, but I've already been. You've already told me yes. Why are you telling me no? Yeah, 
I totally feel that so hard. I mean, I've definitely gone through my email before and counted how many I auditions I've done to be like, wow, this many have gone by. Like, like, I don't know why yeah. I did that, but some somehow measurement because I felt like, well, if it's only been this many, that's why I haven't. But I'll like count right. how many I've gone in for just to like get a ratio. I think what I'm trying to do is like somehow sort out in my mind, well, I'll probably get one out of this. But it's not really not how it works because sometimes you get two things in a row and you've barely gone in for anything, you know, like. Right, right. There's no rhyme or reason. Yeah. I was just thinking about, too, when you start out as a kid, like I, I started more as an adult. I think I moved, the first time I moved to New York was when I was 19 or 20. But I didn't have this sense of when people would reject me then, it was like I they didn't know me in any sort of capacity. And I, similar, like I didn't have anything to lose. Like there was no career to lose or to change. Right. It was just right. like an up, like either I got it or not. And I think for me, as I like started to get things and, and I would go into rooms and people would be like, oh my God, I loved you on the thing. Now be extra brilliant, you know? <laughs> right, right. Like I started to feel a certain pressure or like, oh, I've made money for my managers and agents. Like, I got to keep bringing in money. They must know that's not how things work. And you know it's a business and you know, like... Yeah, certain... they've got to pay their bills too and they, you know... Yeah. So there's, like, no, something I... to lose. There's, like, a pressure there now to, like, maintain a certain amount of success and, you know, brilliance. Oh, <laughs> oh right. No, totally. And I remember, like... God, I remember around the Walking Dead time and meeting people and going in for stuff. And and like, there is such a thing as like having fire behind you as a commodity in this industry. Yeah. And like, I would walk into these rooms and people would be like, oh my gosh, like you just finished the Walking Dead. We, we just heard that did crazy at Comic-Con and like, it's going to be a huge success. And like, so like there was such a fire around me. And so many times people would look at me and be like, you are such a talented actress. You're going to be a giant superstar. Wait, you're going to be you are such a rising star. I heard that so many times. Right. And I'd be like, wow, thank you. That, thank you. That's, that's great. But then you have to be really careful about comments like that because you're like, then you kind of put this pressure on yourself of like, okay, well, if I'm not Emma Stone in the next three years, like what was the point? You know what I mean? Yeah. Now the bar is so like, that is it's so ridiculously high. And you're like, that's not like for the majority of actors, it is a lifelong career that has many highs and many, many lows. And it's like, a rising star. What does that even mean? Like, like HBO or one of these big studios has never gotten behind Emma Bell in a way of like, let's make Emma a big star, right? Like that's never happened. It was like, I had a really good run and, and that was awesome. And, and, and hopefully I'll have like a really good run again. And I'm sure I will at some point, but like people putting that in your mind of like, Oh my God, you're such a rising star. You're going to be a huge hit. You are going to be such a superstar. And you start believing it. You're like, oh, well, that would be really great if that could happen, you know, because then like, yeah. you know, I wouldn't have to be rejected anymore and that would be nice or whatever. But yeah, it sets the bar so high. And I'll say like one time I ran into an actress who, she was a very big actress and um, we had worked together in the past. We weren't like super good friends, but like if we saw each other, you know, we would say hi and whatever. And I, I walked into this bar in Hollywood and she was sitting at the the counter, like the bar by herself. And I went over and I was like, Oh my gosh, hi, it's, it's good to see you. How are you doing? And she had just come out with like a huge movie and it hadn't been reviewed yet. She just looks upset about something. And I sort of asked her, I was like, are you okay? Like I, I just saw such and such movie came out. looks really good. I can't wait to see it. And she turned to me and she looked, she looked at me and she was like, yeah, I really need it to be a hit. Oh my God. And in that moment I was like, Oh wow. It never stops that chasing of 
like your previous heat never never stops yeah you know what I mean I call it the carrot chase the like carrot keeps 100%. moving and you're like trying to grab and it's like yeah. at some point you realize like even when you have everything going for you then there's more there's always more expectation to recreate it it never ends so you kind of have to just decide like okay if that's the goal at least for me I kind of just had to like look at that and be like my goal can't be to be Emma Stone or you know Jennifer Lawrence or like be famous like that like I I just can't be my goal well also it's so out of your control I mean already getting jobs there's an element of that's out of your control right because it has to fit into someone else's (laughs) bigger picture also like why did you get into this in the first place it was something about like you really connecting with the fact that you were like singing on stage with your mom and it was something that you were genuinely good at and connecting with people and felt a drive to follow and it's like if now your connection to it is only becoming you know like you said Emma Stone or something or some big yeah yeah you lose kind of touch with the that beginning bit yeah and it's also just like as you said it's so unattainable because you have no control over that but I think like when you start working on things like The Walking Dead or or let's say like after The Walking Dead you get a movie that's kind of a cool big deal or whatever I started thinking to myself like okay this is the ladder that you climb and you get to a certain place you know yeah and I think the reality is like that's it's not a ladder this industry is so not a ladder it's like sometimes you go up and then other times you fall down and then you get you go over to the side over here and then you're like on a plateau for a little while and then you're like on a curve and then you know it's just like anyway and so you have to love the process and you have to love the work as you said that's the only thing you have control over I just thought of um, something. I I remember talking to Scott Wilson. He was someone I would talk to a lot about like the industry. I know. I know. But I remember being in an airport with him and saying to him, he was like, oh, why are you down? I I was like, oh, I just feel like, you know, maybe I hadn't like gotten some job that I wanted. And I was like, I just feel like I've had a slow few months. And he said to me, slow few months. I've had slow decades. (laughs) And I was like. Oh, and he was always like serving me these little nuggets of like perspective. Yeah. Yeah. Perspective. And also like, yeah, if you feel like this is your path, you just keep walking it. And some of it is just like we said, like a little bit out of your control. Okay, so after Dallas, have you had some auditions that have really like brought you down? (laughs) And then how did you get out of that? Like, how did you heal from it and not just go like, well, forget it? So it's a great, consistent job. And I was able to, you know, put away some money and actually buy a house with the money that I made on Dallas, which was really wonderful. And on Dallas, I met some um, Brenda Strong, who played my mom, is now like basically her husband's best friend is my husband now. Like, so I like met some very (laughs) good people that became part of your life. Yeah, Yeah. like a very big part of my life. So like the Dallas, I call it like the Dallas transition in my life because like previous to Dallas as I had just enumerated like it was Walking Dead and a bunch of pilots and movies and people telling me I was a rising star and blah 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 and then I booked Dallas and I'm a series regular and you know I had to move to Dallas like that's where we shot it and in a weird way it was a show that like had like an audience but it was kind of a smaller audience and it was also kind of tucked away like it was tucked out of the public eye a little bit like I was suddenly in Dallas I wasn't in Los Angeles Um, The show had its avid fans from the previous Dallas, but like it wasn't a mainstream hit or whatever. I was on that show for like two years and I feel like weirdly in some ways, like I just, I wasn't really around for those two years in the, as far as the industry was concerned, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Because it was like, well, 
she's on a TV show, she's out of commission, whatever. So when I got back from Dallas because Dallas was canceled, I was like, I'm ready, let's do this. Let's jump back into pilot season. Like I am ready. And the industry had shifted so drastically in those two years. Mm. And I was now reaching an A at that time I was like 29. And Emily, I don't know if you experienced this, but like, it was the weirdest friggin' thing. It was like suddenly every single audition I went out for at 29 years old, every single audition I went out for was like mother of a 10 year old. (laughs) I was just like, what? Like I just played like a 24 year old socialite with a drug habit. And now I'm not different, but I come back to this industry and they're like, Oh, Emma, like, how about the mom role? Like, I was just so confused about that. And so I think that in itself was a little devastating because I was like, what do you mean? Or, you know, like mom role or white or like supportive wife character right? who like doesn't really have much of an arc in a TV show, except for she just like loves her husband. And, you know, I just was sort of like, wait a minute, what happened to all the interesting roles for women? And why is it that at my age, like approaching 30, there's just like, doesn't seem to be a ton um, and then, so, yeah, I would put a lot of pressure on the, on the roles that were interesting. And I remember going in for a couple pilots where I got tested for the pilots and to, to answer your question of like, was there a, a, an audition that was really devastating? There was, there was an audition that was really devastating because I really wanted it. The pilot director was a previous showrunner of mine. So like, I was like, look, if I do well, he loves me. I know he loves me. Like mm. he'll fight for me to get this role. Like this should be, everything should be in my corner to get this role. I had already gone in for a bunch of things and not gotten it and like tested for a bunch of things and not gotten it. And I was like, this was sort of like at the end of pilot season. And I was like, I need to book a pilot. Like this is ridiculous. I have a mortgage now. Like I need to make some money. And I really liked the material. So I went in and um, it was one of these like super emotional auditions where like, you know, you're sobbing by the end of the monologue or whatever. And um, I remember it was like me and this other girl, both of us blonde, blue eyed girls, whatever. So obviously that was the, the type they were going for. And we went in and I did my, did my thing. I hate to say this because I don't want to feel unhumble, but like, it was good. Like I was good. Like I walked out of there and I was like, Whoa, I really went somewhere. I don't know. I just like, you know, when you do an emotional audition and you're like, I did it. Like I got to that emotional place. I made all my choices. Like I felt really good about it. The showrunner who was in the room gave me like a, you did a really great job, whatever. So I'm like in the waiting room and that girl goes in, she comes back out but I'm pretty confident. I'm like, this has got to be mine. Cause like all of the chips of the line, like this has got to be mine. And the um, casting director comes out and, oh, this other actress was from Canada. And so the, the casting director comes out and she's, she's sort of like, okay, ladies, thank you so much. You, you know, you both did really great. They're not going to make a decision tonight. And then she turns to the other actress and she's like, you're not going back to Canada immediately. Right. Oh. Oh, damn it. Why do they want to know that? And then the casting director must've noticed or like figured out that like, that's a very sensitive thing. Like it's a very sensitive situation. So she turned to me and she's like, oh no, that wasn't, I'm not trying to uh, allude to anything. I just, just was wondering. And like, she was like trying to come up with, so anyway, long story short, they ended up booking that girl, but not for the role we went in for, for a different role. They liked her better for a different role, but because we looked too similar, they decided not to use me for the role we went in for. Right. And so they decided to like recast the entire thing with like a whole different look. And I was so upset. I was so upset because I was like, wait a minute, but I was perfect for that role. And they probably knew that, but someone in the room really liked this girl for some other role. And that's just like how the industry is. You know what I mean? Like that can happen all the time. Yeah. But I think, I think it had just been like one too many, like disappointments you know and it was one of these roles that wasn't a mom or a wife and so I was sort of like I really want to play this character 
it spun me into like a dark place. I'm not going to lie for like, like a couple years. I was really years. not just, yeah, yeah, not just that position, not just that one incident, but just like how I felt the industry was shifting. I, I didn't book anything for two years and I know why I know why it was because like I would come into rooms and I just like had a chip on my shoulder suddenly. Like I never had a chip on my shoulder before that, but I just had this energy that I was bringing with me into the room, which was sort of this like, fuck you energy. Oh, sorry. I don't know if we're allowed to say bad words. You can say bad words. Okay. Yeah. It was just sort of this, like, it didn't even matter if I was good or not in the room because I, I think you could just like sense that my attitude, I was just like, this industry sucks. This is so disrespectful to actors. You don't know what you're doing. Like these roles are ridiculous. And like, even if I'm the best person for this thing, you're not going to book me. So what's the point? That was kind of like the energy I was bringing into the room. Yeah. And, and I think that that's, there's no, you know, that's the reason why. I've had people though also say similar, but then be like, oh, as soon as I didn't care and was like, fuck you, then I got the job. So like, I do feel like this is why this industry though is like hard to navigate because it's like, is it me that's deciding? Is it that like knowing where your responsibility, but the fact that like it wasn't making you feel good. You know what I mean? If you're going in and like giving off this energy and it's not true to who you are, like you're such a light and such a open person, like that would be where your magic is. So if you're giving off this energy that doesn't feel like you, then it's not going to work for you. You know? No, you're you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. Exactly. It could that attitude could definitely work for someone else, but for me, I was becoming so resentful of this industry and I was like, why am I doing that? Like at a certain point I said to myself like, Emma, no one is holding a gun to your head to do this. This is 100% your choice every single time. You, you don't have mouths to feed. You don't have all of these things. Like this is something that you want to do every single day. So you can't then be so resentful of it. You know what I mean? And if I was going to continue to be resentful of it, then I had to get out. Like I was like, your choice is you either shift your attitude around it and go back to why you wanted to do this in the first place and what you love about this or leave and do something else. Cause you're very capable. I could do any, I could do a lot of things, you know? Yeah. And I kind of had to keep having that conversation with myself. And I started a, like a regimen in the morning of like journaling my feelings. And then at the end of every like journaling session, I would write out three things I was grateful for. And even if it was just like a hot cup of coffee, you know, or like the pretty birds in the yard, like it didn't matter. It didn't have to be big sweeping things. It just little things that were reminded me that I lived a really good life and I had everything that I needed. And like, I didn't need to attach so much of my self-worth to whether or not I got a role. Cause I think ultimately that's what I was, had been doing, you know? And so that actually really helped. And I still think that there is an issue in this industry with the amount of roles and the kinds of roles that are presented for women. Like I still do think that that is a problem, but I don't necessarily have the same kind of like rage, (laughs) intense (laughs) rage that I had coming off of Dallas and and hitting a real, a real low point in my career. No. And I, I definitely relate. I mean, we have a similar, like we're both blonde. I mean, we, we have different vibes and probably going for different stuff, but you know, just as I get older, like, I know I still come off as a little like more of the confusion. Like one week I would go in for like just out of college and I'd be like, I'm yeah. not out, just out of college. And then the next week I'd go in for the mom of a, you know, 10 year old. So it was like, a yeah. bit, like, or just even in this last year, I've noticed this sort of transition where before I was so much in a certain lane. And so the roles that you would have thought you would be perfect for, for whatever reason, aren't as available, even if you feel like that's what you relate to. 
I remember back a while when you were posting on Instagram a lot about like working out. <laughs> and yeah, I'm just curious, what kinds of things do you do to stay creative? And did you start doing your own projects or? Yeah, I did actually. Exercise is a bit is a big part for me. It just always it's not even for like fitness, although being fit is is nice, but it's like it's just to clear my brain. Like I, I have such an overactive brain that like doing exercise every day, which of course I have not been able to do for a while, but um but pre-pregnancy and 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 this whole period of time, like I really got into lifting weights, which I had never attempted before because I was like, I don't want to be super giant, you know, and like, I'm a woman. I don't want to be like giant. And then I sort of was like, no, you know what? Fuck that. I want to be strong. Like, I just want to, I want to do something that makes me feel like strong and accomplished. And like, like I can tackle anything. And a friend of mine was a weightlifter and he was like, well, I'll, I'll take you through some exercises if you want. And I loved it. Like I loved the, just the feeling it gave me and the strength it built. So exercising is a big part of that to clear my mind. I love being in nature. So I, I would go on like a lot of hikes, especially I'm, I live really close to the Los Angeles national forest. I'm on the East side of town. So, you know, you can go in there and really escape the city. Like it looks like you're in a whole different world, just like surrounded by waterfalls and redwoods and stuff like that. So being in nature is definitely another thing, but then creatively I write a lot. So it's kind of like this never ending story but I I started writing a children's novel like 10 years ago uh-huh. and I'm now in like my 100th rewrite because writing a book <laughs> is very very difficult but eventually it'll see the light of day but outside of that I've written a bunch of um scripts and directed some of my own shorts which has been so fulfilling that was another thing that kind of came to me in that slump period of time of like oh, I don't love the stories that are out there for women. Like maybe I should just write my own. So I started writing my own scripts for myself just as an exercise, really. And then I sort of was like, wait a minute, I really like this. I'm going to shoot this and I'm going to make this into a film and fell in love with directing because I'm such a control freak and I love (laughs) visuals and I love making decisions like that. So that's kind of been a, a really cool aspect of my, of my career that I've been able to develop in the last, you know, five, six years. And Right now, I'm currently in development on a feature-length film that I wrote, and surprisingly or not, uh, it's about a struggling actress (laughs) in Los Angeles. It was kind of the cathartic end of that uh, period of time that I was telling you about, and I and I really wanted to quit acting, and I sort of was like, I'm I'm done. I can't do this anymore. And I went home, and like this ridiculous scene popped into my head, and I was like, I'm gonna write that down. And then a couple days later, like a full, you know, hundred-page script arrived. Oh my God. That's amazing. It was great. It was so cathartic. It was so fun. It's sort of a Benny and do you know the movie Benny and June? Oh yeah. I haven't watched it for years, but I remember watching yeah. it as a kid a bunch. Yeah. I loved it as a kid. It's so whimsical and um, lovely. So it's sort of like a Benny and June vibe, but it's about an, a struggling actress who meets a magician um, <laughs> in Los Angeles. And he kind of helps her open her eyes to her own magic again. You know how you describe, you're like, you're so light and, and, and lovely and that's your magic. I love that you said that because that's kind of how I visualize things too. I love the word, I, I just love the idea of what magic means. And so this film that I'm in development on is very much about that. Like it's about a woman finding her magic again, you know, and having lost it and um, having this kind of like really ridiculous magician who's actually got some real magic to him, um, kind of helping her find her way again um so it's it's really cute it's called nice trick and we raised 
$50,000 last year in a crowdfunding. Um, oh my God. That's amazing. Event. Yes. Thank you. And then, you know, we were, we were full steam ahead. Um, we'd gotten some funders and we were more, we were going to do the true like indie route. You know, it was like, mm. let's do an indie film. I wasn't going to star in it. I just wanted to direct it. And we hired a casting director and then COVID hit. Mm. So it's kind of been like a little bit pushed because of that, but you know, we're going to, we're going to keep trucking, but it's just, uh, it's definitely the thing that I stay the most creative with right now. Oh, that's great. I mean, in some ways you have all this time to sort of like really, I guess if you look at it that way, like develop it and like really. Totally. Yeah. There's no rush. I don't want it to linger for like five years or whatever. Right. But in my mind, like originally we had this very like tight schedule and I thought that I'd be shooting it in October. Of course, now having been pregnant, there's no way I would have been able to shoot it in, in October because she arrived in October. But yeah, the universe is, works in its own ways. But at a certain point in early spring, I was like, why am I trying to like make this happen on the schedule that's just not going to ha- Like there's nothing. This is all me. Like I can do this whenever I can do this and I want to do it safely. I want to do it right. I don't want to rush it. And the other aspect of it that I'm really excited about is that we're hiring all the heads of departments will be women and as many uh, female crew members um, underneath as possible and I want like the soundtrack to be entirely from women so I may ask you I have a whole new album unreleased that I will send to you (laughs) there we go because I want I just want to like I want to like showcase female creativity and like leadership and all of that that's kind of a big part of it for me You said something that I just kind of want to highlight because I feel like it's something that I often have to remind myself that when it comes to creative work, particularly like on my own projects, sometimes I will give, I'll be like, oh my God, I have to finish this thing. And like, I've suddenly created all this stress around like finishing this thing at a certain time. And even though I do think it's important to, like you said, you don't want to be procrastinating, then I'll like have to remind myself, oh wait, but like, who's making these rules? Like, I'm making right. these rules. If I can't do it tonight, if I can't film the thing in October, if I can't, that's okay. Like I'm the boss. So I right, say right. I can do it. And I feel like even when it comes to acting, I've been a little bit better about being like, there's no way I can memorize this by Thursday. Can they get the self tape Friday? Can they? Yeah. And like being mm-hmm. more vocal about like, totally about like my actual, like, and of course my agent will might say like, oh, they're moving fast. No, they have to get it Thursday. But sometimes they've been like, oh yeah, you are the boss of your creative artistic career, you know? Yeah. If you could have coffee with any any favorite actor or even musician or who would it be? And I guess where, like if you have a favorite coffee shop after, <gasps> after that's coronavirus. Such a, that's yeah. such a good question. Well, I have two, I guess I have two answers. Okay. The more amazing and like probably not going to happen answer is okay. I would adore to like be friends with Kate Blanchett. Like, I just love her. I think she's, she's like one of my favorite actresses. I would love to pick her brain about like, just like life and, and how she approaches things, but also just like life. I wouldn't even have to like bore her with acting questions. I just think she's amazing. And if I was going to have coffee with her, I'd probably pick um, like a sweet little cafe in Paris on the Seine because I love Paris. It's like my favorite place on the planet and I miss traveling so much. In a real world situation, I would just love to go get a cup of coffee with my best girlfriend here in Los Angeles um, because we both love coffee so much and we used to always get coffee together and now we kind of can't do that. And I miss that. I just miss that. I miss that activity. Like I miss I miss riding my bike down to the local coffee shop. There's a bunch that are great. Like there's, I live in the Echo Park area. So there's Valerie's on Echo Park Boulevard. There's some really amazing places in Frogtown 
there's this place called Spoke Cafe that is one of my favorite places. So probably one of those places. And I would just have like a nice cup of coffee with my bestie. That sounds so good right now. I know, doesn't it? I'm just, I'm excited for the developments that they have. Um, Hopefully we will not be in this forever. Yeah, it won't be forever. No, it won't be forever. And then I'll meet your baby when this is over. Yeah, that'd be so great. (laughs) Meet Pfeiffer. (laughs) You'll meet her. Yeah, I would love that. I love little babies. (laughs) Of course. Yeah, they're kind of of the greatest. Well, when they're not screaming. (laughs) Yeah. um, Their head off. Well, thank you for chatting today. And congratulations on your baby and your beautiful family. And like, I. Thank you. Thank you. So, like, yeah, I mean, I know I pretty much only like interact with you, I guess, on social media, but it's been fun to at least follow along in that little way, you know? It's yeah. Nice. Well, that's yeah. kind of how everyone's interacting now. Yeah. But I know. <laughs> yeah um, I know. It's been yeah. awesome also, you know, watching you and, and getting to see snippets of you singing and your poetry and all the stuff you're up to. And so I just, I think what you're doing is awesome and I'm a big fan. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Thanks, babe. It really was so nice to chat about something that wasn't baby related so yeah, thank you for sure <laughs> awesome so I realized by the end of Emma and I's conversation that we didn't get a chance to talk much music but I know that Emma is such a music lover and in fact her brother has his own band and she's even performed in her brother's band So I emailed Emma after the fact, and we got a few of her fave music picks, which I've included in the show notes, as well as on my Caffeine Withdrawals Spotify playlist. How are you guys liking season two so far? I love hearing from you on social media, so be sure to reach out. And if you want to help my Caffeine Withdrawal thrive as a podcast, please share with your friends on social media, rate, comment, and subscribe. I will talk to you all soon with a brand new episode in just a few days. I hope you guys have a great day and I hope you enjoyed this episode of My Caffeine Withdrawal.